0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of We're Gonna Need a Bigger Show! Uh, as, well, I guess always now, I mean, yeah,
1: usually. usually, Yeah.
0: I am joined by Matt, general audience, Miles. Hi guys. And today, uh, as you know, we've been covering the Fantasia Film Festival, um, which has been a real treat this year. There's been some really incredible films, but I think one of the standout films, just because of... Vision and uh, you know, just because it really is one of the most affecting films that we saw uh, as part of our festival coverage, has been *Low Life*. And today, we are joined by director Ryan Prouse. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys. Hello. <laughs> uh, so yeah, man. I mean, we really dug the hell out of the film.
1: My personal, uh, my personal favorite of *Fantasia* this year.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Matt, awesome. Matt really hasn't stopped talking about it, which which has been really <laughs> so- great. Um, screw the rest of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I mean, you know, congratulations
2: for making incredible films across the board, but screw the rest of them. It's really
0: <laughs> did you get to check out anything else at the festival while you were there? I didn't.
2: Um, I really heard, I, I really wanted to check out. I met the guys uh, that did Jailbreak.
0: That, that looked awesome. Yeah. That's kinda... yeah, that was one uh, but... that we missed that we were really kind of interested in checking out, too. Yeah, I'm hoping to see that at another
2: festival down the line. But, uh, uh yeah, no, I, I didn't get a chance. Uh, Mohawk also looked really cool. Yeah, and,
0: yeah. We're actually, um, later on today, we're talking to the, the co-writer of Mohawk. So, um, yeah, Mohawk, okay. I mean, Ted's Ted's work is, is really exceptional. Um, but we're here today to talk about low life. And before we kind of jump into the film, um, I just want to talk a little bit about your early life and, you know, kind of... How did film influence you growing up, and where did you grow up? And and you know, how did you become a film lover and, and want to become a filmmaker? Yeah,
2: uh, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, um, and grew up. Uh, my some of my family or most of my family actually grew up in Huntsville, uh, Alabama. Um, so I got the got a chance to spend like summers on the farm in Huntsville. Uh, Bored watching movies and you know, sort of like I think that was definitely reading comics and stuff. That was definitely like the where all that came from. Um, watched like I don't know, like First Blood. Way too young. I was like three. <laughs> when I watched First Blood and then would, would go off in the woods and try to kill my family if they came after me. <laughs> No, there's no, there's no bloodshed and, and for, or no uh he doesn't murder anybody so just, you know they pushed me to the edge. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what uh, what kind of comic books were you reading at the time?
2: Uh, my my uncle was like a super comic nerd growing up, so he just had like uh you know typical like DC Marvel stuff, but it was awesome just to be you know really young and have like access to like. 60s, 70s, 80s runs of stuff, you know. Um, Yeah, no doubt. I, I grew up reading, like, you know, he was, like, a huge Superman fan. So as far as, like, Legion of Superhero stuff, Superboy stuff, all through into, like, cool Marvel stuff. And then, you know, as you got older, it was all the Alan Moore and Frank Miller and all that stuff.
1: Right, sure.
0: Matt. Matt also grew up in in Alabama. Yeah,
1: I know the pain of <laughs> finding something to do in Alabama.
0: <laughs> and um, I grew up in in West Tennessee in a really rural town. And I think we were both video store kids. Yeah, growing up yeah,
1: every every Friday. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> had we rule. had
0: Mr. Video that was five for a dollar. I think we had
1: Video awesome. Gallery yeah. or something like that. Right?
0: Um, did you they were you this, uh, they, they had this pizza place slash video store?
2: Oh, like nice. Parents house yes. And we'd walk- we'd walk over there and yeah i think it was 5 for a dollar too and i watched basically like every horror film everything i used to rent like all the you know w w f tapes and stuff yeah. and you could see the <laughs> tape review beforehand but you could you could watch SummerSlam, you know 5 years later <laughs> i
0: i remember that was how i like my, my the one that i kept renting over and over again was undertaker's gravest matches like that was the one that i wore oh, yeah. the hell out of
2: um so and i was like yeah, that was the that was the era. Was the I mean, those were basically comic books in general. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, this is it's interesting because now it's, we're starting to put together you know a little bit of, of the style of low life. Um, were you like were you interested in filmmaking at the time? Like were were you you know making shorts with friends or, or anything like that? Or when did that start to become a, a part of your life?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, pretty early on, like making little films again like roping all my cousins and stuff into making so my first uh film my grandfather still always brings up was uh I made like a basically like a professional or Leon knockoff when I was like <laughs> super young and <laughs> uh you know we had to kill the kill the like president who's like my barefoot cousin on the <laughs> front steps of the <laughs> of my grandparents' house or you know that kind of thing. So no, I, I, like basically, it was really cool. Like my family was very like, su- like unintentionally supportive. They, you know, they were they were cool with us playing or whatever. But sure. they also had like a video camera that we got to like, you know. And I, I thought I invented editing with like <laughs> linking two VCRs together and all that kind of thing. So.
0: It's really interesting because I kind of had a, a similar background with you know just like making shorts and and having like supportive but accidentally supportive parents um but it was yeah. just it was just very much a matter of like okay now i'm I'm starting to grow up and i start to think about well like how do you actually you know make this into like an education when do, what what was that process like for you when did you realize okay i can go to school or did you even go to school for filmmaking
2: yeah i did and and that that was kind of like yeah, and I say, like, yeah, my family was sort of accidentally supportive. My mom, specifically, was super supportive because she was into art and stuff, and she basically, you know, like, ran away from home when she was young and moved to Atlanta. So, you know, that's why I grew up in Atlanta um, and got a chance to go back and hang out with, like, my extended family. But, you know, she was really, like, pushing me to go to school. Um, so I went to, like, the state school there in Atlanta, Georgia State, um, for filmmaking and it was hysterical. It was like right when I was there, like about halfway through there, the program, they, you know, uh, shifted over to like putting all money towards sports and football and wanted to become like an actual, you know, like sports school or whatever. So they took all the art funding away. So I had to kind of like, it was kind of a good first lesson in like, how do you make a movie or make, make your, you know, little films or whatever with, with no support where I ended up taking like, taking over the TV station and just to (laughs) take all their equipment and go make my own movies. And so so it was like a roundabout way of continuing to just make films, you know, however you could.
0: Right. Um, Was there any continuing education after that? Or, you know, did you just... Yeah, so I live in in Los Angeles now. And Mm -hmm. like, um, my
2: wife and I, we moved out here for me to go to uh, AFI, American Film Institute for grad school. Wow. Um, And that was kind of, the idea was like, you know, to come out here with something to do and not just, you know, sort of chasing a dream or whatever. So Absolutely. I'm really fortunate that, you know, got at AFI and uh, met all of the people that we all made the, uh, we made Low Life together. Um, you know, there are five writers total on it. So I met the writers there, uh, producer, I mean, all cinematographer, production design, editors, everybody we all met and worked at school together. And then, uh, kind of came together to make this film
0: Sure, and that was one of the, the interesting things And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it soon But that it seemed like through your body of work Through your short films and into low life You know, that you had some repeat customers So to speak um, So I, one of the things that I thought was interesting about your short films And the things that you're creating at this time And that come back up later on in low life uh, is just the type of material, and there seems to be uh, the idea of you know kind of a social commentary aspect in a lot of your work. Uh, was this, oh definitely was this always intentional for you?
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I feel like it. You know, always trying to find those like, like I, I I like to think like I tell like very American stories, but in like you know finding these um sort of underground or like you know like marginalized. Uh, either peoples or stories that like don't normally uh, get told. So it's like kind of finding interesting little pockets of like American culture that people normally wouldn't consider American, whether it be like, you know, either like Mexican culture with like my short Narco corridos, like about, you know, like this subculture of um, uh, Mexican folk music or even low life is, you know, to me, a very American story, but it, on the surface, I think a lot of people don't take it as such.
1: Absolutely. Right. Um, where was the, like, where did, I guess, where did the, the idea, the genesis of the idea for Low Life come from? Like, where did that, like, When I guess you said there were five writers, so how, how closely did you work with them, or I guess, when did this get started?
2: Yeah, I initially, I kind of pitched it to everybody of, like, let's do a crime anthology sure. um, that I would, like, I would direct all the parts just to kind of keep them uniform, but we'd all kind of break off and write separate pieces just to get it made. You know, okay. frankly, it's like, um, and then uh, it kind of, it, it was a really cool process. Like I had worked with, like I said, with those guys and, and um, we started a, uh, out of school, we started like a comedy troupe sort of collective called Tom Fondle that we were doing like, <laughs> you know, online sketches and we did a web series and, and that kind of stuff. So we were working together on that stuff, but, This became, like, um, yeah, initially, like, hey, let's all write short films. We were all kind of working on different ideas for stuff, and it was like, how do we kind of, you know, get all these made? Um, Right. And and still, you know, kind of in our style of, of, like you say, social commentary, but hopefully not, like, soapboxing or preaching or whatever. Like, it's still entertaining. Um, And then it worked almost like a TV writer's room where we were, we broke story together and then kind of went off and wrote our separate pieces. And then when we came back to kind of start, uh, you know, sort of editing, putting them together, we were like, man, this would be so much more, uh, satisfying as like, uh, you know, a story that starts, the characters start overlapping and, and, uh, affecting right. each other or whatever. So then it became like, yeah, almost like, a like reverse engineering to like, how do we, how do we make all these? Cause it's, you know, tonally, they're all different stories. There's, like, comedy stuff and, sure. I mean, you know, like, tragedy and everything in between. But then also, how do we kind of, like, make these stories work as one and sure. dovetail into each other, I guess. So that was, like, a fun challenge. Cool. Well, one of the,
0: the interesting things, you know, that you're, you're talking about is, you know, you're trying not to soapbox. But I also feel like, you know, li- low-life... Uh, it, it, there's some challenging material in it, and um, you know, and you're also talking about this kind of fractured narrative and the story that weaves in and out. And obviously, you know, there's been the Tar- Tarantino comparison with the film. I mean, how did, mm-hmm. did did you did you think about that actively going in? I mean, I think it, it stands on its own, you know, w- without that comparison. Um, but I mean, what was it like? You know, you, you were talking about editing. What was it like, kind of balancing the material?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like obviously Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, especially as, like, independent cinema are, like, huge milestones. And, I mean, I love those movies when I was, you know, like, starting out, like, Pulp Fiction was incredible, you know. So, obviously, like, important. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, to me, there's, there's so many, like, points of reference that we pulled from even when we were talking about kind of the style of how to do it or when I was initially, like, pitching it to like, especially crew and everybody else of like, yeah, we're going to kind of pull from, I mean, our big references, we kept, um, pointing people to uh wild at heart and, um, uh, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia as far as like how gnarly. And I mean, that's like just the greasiest fucking movie, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but still, you know, again, says something it's wild as fuck, all that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, I got to call her. And I think with, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, going into it, we were, like, it was less about, like, how do we make this really cool structure, and it was more of, like, how do we make this story work where, like, you care about each of these characters by the time they're all sort of crashing in and colliding into each other. And and I, you know, I think that that's kind of, I mean... to me, it's again. If someone wants to compare us to Pulp Fiction or Tarantino or whatever, so I'll take that every day of the week. You know, <laughs> but, right, uh, right. Yeah, I think some of that's a lot. Just you know, it's like the surface of how it's designed and everything. So, right.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And I think you know where where, I mean, his films are obviously really trying to be exploitive. I f- I feel like Low Life. It, it, there is there's a lot of really over the top moments and a lot of you know absurdity. But I feel like you strike a really Pleasing balance, kind of across the board. Um, but to kind of speak to that, as you start sending the script out and as you start, um, you know, casting, what was what was the reaction like to the material?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, one, I think like the finished version, I'm really surprised that it hasn't split the room more than it has because it is like a wild, you know. I mean, uh, it's got a uh, guy with a plastic tattoo on his face, <laughs> his so you know, it's like it's obviously off a hard sell and it was initially as we, that was another thing I'm really kind of proud of is like, you know, for our, for my first movie, you know, directing or whatever, like we made a movie that like we were, I, no one was ever going to let us make that movie, you know, so it was like, we sent the script around to some people and they were like, oh, cool, you know, good luck with that kind of thing, (laughs) so it was like really, you know, like a team effort on our, like, we all kind of banded together, we raised the money like internally and Um, you know, just started kind of like casting from there. And I think what was cool is like, luckily, you know, we wrote specifically, you know, the, um, the part for Nikki Michaud who plays Crystal. We wrote that for her and I'd worked with, with her on, um, my short Narco. So I was kind of always trying to find something to do with her again. And, you know, she's like a pretty dope, like working, you know, TV actor. Sure. Um, and it's just, like I mean, just an incredible sort of underused actor in my mind. So it was like, fuck, if we've got her, we can kind of build her around that. But then it became, like, uh, everyone else. It was, And it was even kind of a definitely a trust game with her where she read it and was like, this is fun and wild, but this, how does any of this really work, you know? So it was kind of talking through that. And, and even the script was a lot. It had more stuff that we kind of pulled back into. You know, it was like finding that balance, like you said, of, like, of there being it being fun and over the top and having some sort of moments of exploitation. And then, and then you're sort of challenging people's, you know, expectations as they're watching it. But then it also became like, you know, I think in the script, even some stuff went too far. So then as we're, we're we're shooting it or working on it, you know, and like, and it became, becomes real. You're like, Oh, we can lose this. We can lose this, you know? So there was that balancing act, but it was, you know, really a testament to like a lot of the actors that they were on board. For me yeah. From even reading that script, I mean, fuck. If I would have read that script, like
3: cold, I would have
1: been like, oh, uh, "What?" what is this? <laughs> sure. Yeah, kind of, kind of springing off that. Uh, low Life is a very ambitious, I guess, first feature. So, um, were there were there a lot of challenges you had? Like, did were there some things you had to cut? I mean, you know, especially like the material in kind of today's political climate, so to speak. Like, were there some things that didn't make it, or any specific challenges there? I guess. Yeah,
2: I mean, it was definitely. Like, uh, it's like stupidly insane undertaking. I'd say after the fact, but it's always that, you know, like hindsight, you probably wouldn't do it kind of thing. But uh, no, it was like, it was, to me, it was cool to like just be swinging from the, you know, for the fences on your first outing. Like, you almost kind of got to go farther than you would normally go, I think, um, just to get, you know, uh, people to kind of take notice of it. But yeah, the, the stuff that we kind of cut was. I think was just more, like, you know, it was the difference between, I think, like, making, like, a joke or kind of a sketch of of a segment or whatever and making, you know, the character stuff sort of thing and, like, and and being more truthful to character stuff. So it was just as we were developing it, like, with the actors or whatever, there would just be, like, for example, like, Randy, the guy out of prison, like, you know, we kind of explained where the swastika came from and, and like, right. his backstory, which is just, like, <laughs> you don't need but you kind of needed it to you know to like at script stage but then once you're once you're shooting it it's like dude you you can't have this (laughs) explaining. you know so you get it you know yeah finding that balance
0: um so matt mentioned you know that it's an ambitious film um what i mean it, it's there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of uh, you know effects. There's a lot of car stuff. I mean, there's you know there's there's really big moments in the film. What was that like balancing that in the shooting schedule and how many days did you have to shoot?
2: Yeah, we had like fifteen principal days and then we did three pickups for eighteen total. So we shot like most of the movie and then really a lot of the pickup stuff was like the the intro um, or the title sequence with Teddy like you know, doing the organ harvesting stuff and everything, that was, like, kind of just designed as, like, okay, let's shoot this all together as a segment um, uh, just to make it, yeah, feasible. Um, And so, yeah, as far as, like, the logistics of it was was really just, um, you know, it was just kind of, like, prioritizing, like, what was important, like, versus, you know, what was kind of the gravy of it, and there was stuff where it was, like, you know, for example, like an, I don't even think it was. I, I think we kind of like fixed that by the script stage, but initially we had where you kind of saw more of El Monstro, like when he's um, when he blacks out. Like you know, you saw more of like his rage rages. You're in them with him or whatever, and yeah. and that became like a like a to me kind of a cool way to like cut ahead, save on the budget, and then story wise, it didn't really. You know, it actually kind of underlines that a bit more if you don't if you're with him in his point of view. <laughs> you don't know what happened. You know, you're yeah, kind sure. of as confused. As he is. So there's a kind of finding those little moments. But yeah, I like a lesson I kind of learned just on doing stuff. You know, for so long, um, indie wise, and you know, with no money, sort of thing was just making that like making the budget your aesthetic and like, you know, kind of embracing like, hey, this is kind of this movie needs to be this cheap, you know, and it's sure. true sort of exploitation cinema fashion, like just, like, leaning into that and being like, hey, this would be dope if, you know, this looks this gnarly and shit's this fucked up, and, you know, we don't, we don't have a, like, Teddy doesn't drive around an awesome car, he drives around a Miata that's, you know, <laughs> one of our crew members' cars, you know? It's just like <laughs> Which is, it makes it funnier, you know? It's just like... A, <laughs> that's what Teddy can afford because that's what the movie can afford. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, and it, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it also seemed like there were moments, like, I think it is the Miata where I think your camera operator is actually sitting on the back at one point to, to get a shot. That, <laughs> was that right?
2: Um, well, we just had it, we had it mounted. Someone okay. thought we were, uh, Yeah, he was like riding in the trunk or whatever, but no, we just had it mounted on the back. But the, the take we used was, or the take in the film was the first take and yeah, I almost had a heart attack. Like he came blaring into the uh, <laughs> in, into the hotel, and the, the cameras like tomahawking on the back of <laughs> it, like I'm about to just like fly off. It's incredible, and it just looks insane, you know, on screen. You're like, oh my god, he is. I mean, he wasn't going that fast, but it was still enough to like, you know, look like the camera was going to get
0: <laughs> launched off of it. Yeah, already. absolutely. Um, so one of the things, I mean, we talked a little bit about earlier, you know, as a wrestling fan. Uh, and as a, a luchador fan, I thought interweaving that culture was was really great. But even further than that, you really weave in, like, kind of the luchador mythology. Um, how, yeah. I, I mean, how important was that, and how much research, you know, did you have to do to, to accomplish that?
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, like, being a fan of, a, I mean, I, I'm not, like, you know, some historian of that stuff, but, like, being a fan of, like, yeah, the lucha stuff, and then even those, specifically those movies, from like the 60s and 70s are just so awesome and I just love the idea of like a a guy sitting around like in a suit and a mask having like a steak dinner and then getting up and like going to fight the mummies or whatever <laughs> like it's so good you know <laughs> and it was and it was that like that was one of those moments that like you know we designed I mean obviously we wrote it we designed it we designed the costume everything we're like and then Kim sh- it's like they were saying all that, and then there was him actually. Wa- I mean, he looks like a walking cartoon. Like, he literally, <laughs> looks like a like a comic book character come to life, sort of thing. And it was just insane to see him like walking around, having conversations, doing like, like that was actually the moment I I almost kind of lost it when we were shooting. Was like, uh, there's a scene between him and, and his girlfriend. That's kind of like almost like a kitchen sink drama, sort of <laughs> right. like you know, right. and, and I just remember we were shooting and just looking at the monitor like, we may have fucked up here, this may be too far, <laughs> like,
3: actually like,
2: this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life like, it's, it just was so, yeah, I don't know it's just, it, but that's the fun of it and I just, so, and I was obviously initially, it was just like, man, we gotta have a luchador who's a leg breaker for the mob like, that's incredible, sure. like, I don't know, like,
0: why no one's done that movie before, but <laughs> it, <laughs> and was, it was wild, not, like it somehow worked <laughs> Yeah, like, the, I mean, the scene that you're talking about with the girlfriend, it, it's, it's, you know, we're really getting the first taste of, of this character and his backstory, and I just, Matt and I were watching it, and I just remember looking at him and just being like, this is brilliant, like, this is just, this is the wildest shit, because he's just, you know, like, it's so, he's so sincere with his delivery, but everything he's saying is so fucking bonkers, and it's just, yeah, really, really incredible.
2: Well, and it was it was really cool. I mean, it's definitely like Ricardo uh, Zarate who plays him. It was really cool. Like he he was the first one to kind of come in, like during the audition process, and like we had always kind of been like, like, he did the um, his initial monologue or whatever for the audition, and sure. like we had always been kind of snickering as we were like listening to people because it's hysterical, you know, whatever. Right, you right. see it, it being funny. And, and, like, when he came in, like, nobody laughed. We were all like, oh, my God, this is, like, his real life. Like, you don't want to laugh in this dude's face. And there is – you do have to kind of strike that balance of it being, like – I love that. It's, like, absurd, but it is, like, very heartfelt. And you're not laughing at that guy because, like, he, he really believes it. And it wasn't until, like, later on I found out um, he was actually – at one point he was, like, <laughs> Mr. Mexico, like, this bodybuilding champion in Mexico – and his brother, older brother, and his father was all, were also Mister Mexico. So it's like he totally got the lineage thing. That, you know? <laughs> Pretty close
1: to his heart. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, a, a lot of most of the effects that you did um, were, were seem to be practical effects, which personally I think adds kind of a texture to any film. But was that mostly budgetary constraint, or is that kind of artistic choice, or somewhere in between? Or I guess what's your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, no, I mean we really like fought to, yeah, to do all practical i mean even like practical gun effects and everything too just because like yeah to me it was it was definitely a more of an artistic choice you say of it being like um you know you have to ground the world in my mind because you have so much crazy shit going on it's like you know if you have a luchador walking around and you actually believe you know someone got shot and you see the blood spray, you're just like, holy fuck, like,
0: this is actually really <laughs> happening and that, that just splits your mind even
3: that
0: much more, you know. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if the film premiered at, at Fantasia, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, what was that reception like? And even further than that, I mean, with, especially given the climate in, like, the last week or so, what, what does the, you know, the, the rollout for the film look like? I mean, because I feel like it's definitely something, a lot of the material, anyways, something that the audience is going to find uh, eerily poignant right now. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Definitely, when we were writing it and shooting it, you never could have told me that uh, Trump was going to be president. So that <laughs> right. Somehow, like, <clears throat> pre- unfortunate president <laughs> <right. laughs> <thing> that we, <laughs> sure. we just in. have to do. it been in the air. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, Fantasia, they were like, I mean, Mitch and all the team and everything there, uh, Mitch Davis, they were like the biggest champions and supporters so that was like incredible i mean they got they they made the movie you know like uh get out there and people take notice which is really like i mean awesome to see so like uh i i've never i mean that was just like a you know a memory for for the rest of my life was just that seeing it with that crowd and You know, how... I mean, it was like people were hanging from the rafters one minute, then they were, like, (laughs) stone silent, actually engaged with the movie. Then It was incredible, you know. It was really cool. Um, But then, yeah, as far as... I mean, we're doing a couple more festivals. um, Like, we're doing Fright Fest. uh, And then a couple more in Europe that I'm going to be over there for, which will be really dope, starting at, like, the end of the month. And then um, we don't have an American, like, a U.S. festival yet, yet. so we're still trying to get that locked in, and then still trying to get you know distribution all settled and everything for that as well.
0: Sure. Um, so I mean, beyond that, what what what's next for you? I mean, it, this is a, an incredible first feature, and it's going to be kind of hard to top. I mean, are you are you working on anything currently? Oh, of course. No, I got this. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: that may be the um. best answer to that question i've ever gotten
2: <laughs> <That's so good. laughs> yeah no uh yeah i don't know like i i've i've been working on like a feature version um of narco for a while now that i've been trying to get going
3: sure. of my
2: short narco frito um and then yeah, the Fondle Boys and I—we've been working on um, on a, either a TV or a movie idea that we've been kind of putting together. And then yeah, I'm like kind of—I mean, again, it's just been surprising that this movie like as well received as it has been. So sure. I've been like, you know, kind of making the rounds, talking to people about trying to get some, the next thing going. So no, I'm I'm like—I mean, we made the movie. We all like got together to make the movie to like, you know, get. Get the next thing going, and we had to just do it ourselves. So we've got like stuff in the chamber ready to go, you know.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Well, good for you, man. I mean, all of the you know praise for it is so well deserved and you truly. Know, Thank I mean, you, guys. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, we really, really love the hell out of it, and can't wait to see what you do next. So, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for your time today. We we really appreciate yeah. it. Um, Thank you, guys. And, I, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, I was just gonna say. I was say. gonna keep blowing smoke up your ass, but now, <laughs> <laughs> now it's awkward, and we're not gonna do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, the moment <laughs> has passed. If, uh, if fans wanna wanna keep up with your work, where can they check you out? Uh, I mean, I have a just a site, RyanProwls dot
2: com, P R O W S, no okay. e. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, Low Life has a site as well. As far as like we, we've been putting up, like if we have. Uh, like when our next screenings and all that kind of stuff are for festivals and everything. And then hopefully, you know, like it it gets out sooner or later here. Yeah. I I definitely, like you said, I mean, I feel like, unfortunately it's kind of very, you know, timely and topical. So hopefully, you know, as many people as possible get to see it. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm just really excited that like people are, you know, responding so well to like the message of it as well as, you know, how wild and fun it is. So, Sure. So I appreciate you guys, like, you know, like digging in and getting that.
0: Absolutely, man. Yeah, man. And we look forward to spreading the word of low life, you know, <laughs> moving into the future. So uh, for, yeah. for, for Bigger Show, this is Ben.
1: Matt, general audience miles. <laughs> and I am
0: Mike D. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Goodbye. We're going to big show.